of 18 and verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's all I want to read from this particular psalm. But this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about today, today. And uh, I think this is an important uh, subject, not because the 30th of September 1979, I think I've got my date right, is a date of any particular significance that I know of. Probably somebody's got a birthday today and probably highly offended because I've said it's not a significant day. And we could perhaps say that uh, three quarters of the year is uh, has gone. We've only got a quarter left to, to go, which is all the more reason why you should get your Christmas camp application form in. And uh, things like that. We uh, we could uh, say, well, it's Sunday today, and it's the day when we come along to the, the communion and uh, all these things. As somebody said uh, once, that uh, today is an important day because it happens to be the first day of the rest of your life. And there's all sorts of things that we could say about it. But there is the whole attitude that the Lord wants us to have towards the present day. And so we're told here, as the psalmist writes, that this is the day that the Lord has made. And so let's see our opportunity. Let us see that God has provided us with a day in which we can do something to serve him. And so because God has provided this day, let us be glad and rejoice in us. Now that's uh, wonderful for the person who has become a servant of the Lord. All of us who have been born again of God's Spirit, who have entered into this new way of life, ought to be able to see that concept. We ought to be able to see that regardless of our status in the community, regardless of our physical age, Regardless of our achievements in this natural world, we ought to be able to see that God has given us today an opportunity to serve him. Now it doesn't really matter, as we're going to see in some other associated scriptures, as to what uh, has happened in the past, and it's no good as worrying about what might happen in the future. All that God has said to us is that here is an opportunity for us to serve him right here and today. Now for those who haven't yet to turn to the Lord, well maybe there's nothing much for you to feel bright and cheerful about, particularly if you happen to be barracking for South Adelaide or something like that, and uh, or Central Districts or Stant or someone, which reminds me the set football club are going to be here uh, hiring the theatre on the 10th of, uh, of October. So for those who have rehearsals, bear that in mind. But getting back to the scriptures, let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. And we read where Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. 
and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now I think that must have been a tremendous uh, uh, situation to have been able to observe. Probably all the people that were there listening to him, we go on to read how that they weren't all that uh, uh, wrapped in what he had to say because they didn't accept him as being the son of God. As far as they were concerned in their own natural minds, they thought he was Joseph's son and so they uh, referred to him as the carpenter's son and uh, they uh, were not aware and didn't want to accept the fact that he was indeed the son of God. But he quoted from the book of Isaiah, a book that they claimed to believe in, and he quoted this wonderful prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, of the coming of the anointed one who would come filled with the Holy Spirit and he would bring deliverance to God's people. And uh, he uh, quoted these words that we read there from verse 18, and then he said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What a wonderful climax. There was the prophecy that had been lying dormant, you might say, for several hundred years. And here was the Son of God who had appeared on the scene, and there were the people who were privileged to hear that, and he said, it is happening right here before your eyes. You're living here in the present tense of this great happening that God is bringing to the people of this world. There is deliverance. There is healing. There is, there is sight for the blind. And God is pouring his love and his power upon the people of this generation. And he said, you are the ones who are privileged to hear it. But they uh, went on to say, well, you know, it's uh, too good to be true, was more or less the impression that they were given. But God wants us to realise that just as surely as that was a potent message for the people in that synagogue at Nazareth nearly 2,000 years ago, that those words and many other scriptures that we could turn to, that God is applying and wants to apply if we will allow them to be applied in our lives to us as individuals right here today. He doesn't want us just to think of what happened back there 2,000 years ago, and this is a concept which a lot of people who profess to be Christians grab hold of. They want to talk about the things that happened 2,000 years ago, and they want to argue about whether this miracle really happened, and if it did, wouldn't it have been nice to be able to see it? And they perhaps talk of what they hope will happen to them in the future, that they will go to heaven or some uh, uh, such a place where everything will be wonderful. And so God did things back there, and God is going to do things up there in the future as far as they uh, have decided. But God doesn't do anything now. They don't, don't expect him to do anything now, and many of them don't want him to do anything now because they have settled down to living their life just as normal human beings are in their uh, concept, it's a good question really, what is a normal human being? What do we gauge ourselves by? And uh, of course God has a different gauge stick to that which other people have. God has given to us what he considers ought to be classed as normal. He has given us his son. He came down to this world to show us the way that we ought to live. And that's God's standard of normality. And yet, I hope that's the right word, but it sounds good. And uh, anyway, uh, people rejected him. They didn't want to be normal if Jesus Christ was normal. And so the more we become like Jesus Christ, 
it's quite likely that many people won't want to be like us because they will consider us to be abnormal. And you know, when you get filled with God's Spirit, a lot of people say that you have become silly, that you've, it's gone to your head, that you've become a religious fanatic or something of this nature, and uh, they don't want to know. But you know that the only people who are really saved, the only people who have got any real sense as far as eternal things are concerned are the people who have turned to the Lord, have turned away from this world, have been filled with the Holy Ghost and are walking on in the ways of the Lord. Anyway, Jesus Christ, as we're reading here, came on the scene. He pronounced this scripture and he said, here it is, it's happening before your eyes right here today. And that same verse applies to us today because God is still pouring out of his spirits. Jesus is not here in the flesh, but he's here in the spirits. And so are millions of other people who are filled with the Holy Ghost, they're filled with the Spirit, and they are able to be representatives of Jesus Christ upon this earth. And we are able to go forth, we're able to tell people, and if you're not filled with God's Spirit, we can tell you today that this scripture can be fulfilled in your ears, in your life, in your mind, in your body. You can be set free from your sickness, from your problems, from your despair, from your uh, inferiority complex or your su- superiority complex if you've got one, and uh, or your very ordinary sort of a complex. Whatever it is, if you've got a complex, God can set you free from it, no matter what shape or title you put to us. Anyway, we better go on and find another verse. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and again the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and we read in verse 31 therefore take no thought and the word thought means anxious concern don't worry Jesus said saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles or the unsaved seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now Jesus wanted his disciples to grasp the truth of this philosophy. He wanted us to be able to see the importance of living today to its fullest. Not to worry about what might happen tomorrow. Not to dwell on what had happened in the past. But to concentrate on today. And if we live today to the glory of God. And if each individual of us sees our opportunity here today and we serve the Lord to our fullest abilities, if we draw on the strength that God wants us to draw on, if we are able to claim the victories and to see the promises that God has for us today, don't put it off and say, well, that's an interesting verse. I'd like to uh, do something about that one day. You know, God might be calling you today through his word to fill you with his spirit. He might be calling you to repent of your sins and to be baptized in water. And you might say, yes, that's uh, great. Like the man we read off in the Acts of the Apostles said to the Apostle Paul, he said, uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'll call for you at a convenient season. 
one day when it suits me. And another fellow said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. They both had the same problem. One said, I'm, I'm getting there, I've almost arrived. You've almost persuaded me. The other said, well, in a way you have persuaded me, but when it is more convenient for me, I will come. And the Lord says, no, it's got to be convenient today because if you're a procrastinator as far as the things of God are concerned, you'll probably get into the habit of procrastinating and you'll probably never do anything about it. And the two people that I referred to, Agrippa, and Felix the cat, or whatever his name was, uh, it was Felix anyway, doesn't say he was a cat, but uh, um, I think he was probably a bit of an animal, the things that he did, but uh, he should have come to the Lord, and, uh, and neither of them did. And so the Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow, and so many of us, even when we're filled with the spirits, we make this mistake, and we're worrying about What's going to happen as far as material things are concerned? And you know, there's not really any need for any of us in this country to be, particularly in this country, even if we uh, uh, didn't have a lot of faith in the Lord for us to get terribly worried about material things. There's not many people that starve in Australia. Oh yes, there are some that are, uh, are very uh, in very poor circumstances. But, uh, you know, some of us, we set our standard of living so high and we're worrying because we can only afford to run two motor cars and we'd like to run three. We're worrying about the fact that we've only got three seats in the cupboard and we'd like to have six. You can only wear one of them at one time, I think. Although some people have uh, various tricks up their sleeve. And... Uh, Sleeve. I don't know how that works in. But anyway, people do have the, uh, these ideas. And so the, the Lord says, look, take hold of the promise. Learn the secret of this. If you've got a suit to wear today, or you've got some uh, suitable uh, uh, clothing to wear today, well, be happy about it. Don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow might not come. If you've got some food in front of you for you to eat today, well, don't worry about the fact that you might get old or there might be a depression or you might lose your job or your husband might walk out and leave you with uh, 25 children or whatever and uh, <coughs> probably have kicked him out long before that, I should imagine. But anyway, the Lord says, don't worry and uh, he will provide our needs. Don't worry about tomorrow, the problems of today are sufficient and the Lord has promised that he will meet the needs of today. Take no anxious thoughts for the morrow. The Lord will supply your every needs. Let's go back to the book of Psalms again. Psalm 69 and I think it's rather interesting as we read here of uh, David as he is having one of his uh, unhappier moments. Sometimes people turn to the Psalms for comfort if you pick the wrong one, you might be disappointed because uh, uh, poor old David wasn't all that happy at times. And when you consider the life that he lived and the problems he had to contend with and how that he uh, uh, was being persecuted by Saul, even though David himself had done nothing wrong and uh, his enemies seemed to be uh, uh, so great. And uh, we read of this uh, here in Psalm 69. And uh, he is feeling rather unhappy. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming unto my soul. It's verse 1. 
I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried, mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. It's all right. Some people have got more enemies than others. So they walked into that and there was a prepared trap. <laughs> they that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. And then I restored that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. And so he goes on. He's feeling very unhappy with his circumstances. Verse 10. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me and I was the song of the drunkards. What a humiliating situation. Even the old uh, flunkies, they're uh, singing away and uh, making him the subject of, uh, of their songs. What uh, an unhappy state that he found himself in. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord. In an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mile and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. And so he's, uh, he's being very miserable, very unhappy. And he's uh, saying, Lord, uh, I've got so many enemies. And Lord, I'm praying to you and in your acceptable time, I want you to, del to deliver me from all these problems that I've got. Well, the Lord heard that and he, uh, and he gave an answer. And we see how that through the Apostle Paul, that he presented to us what God's answer is to people who say, Lord, if it be thy will, set me free. Lord, in your good time, deliver me from my problems. In your acceptable time, heal me of this sickness. In your acceptable time, save my soul. In your acceptable time, fill me with the Holy Spirit. In your acceptable time, give me the joy and the peace that others seem to have received. Second so Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll see what the answer is to when is the acceptable time. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so that's what God thinks of uh, David and the like who cry uh, in this uh, uh, plaintive sort of way and are all the time uh, feeling sorry and miserable for, for themselves uh, and talking of their problems and God, aren't you ever going to hear me? And God says, now I am hearing you. Now is my acceptable time. I want to do something about it now. I want this day for this scripture to be fulfilled in your ears. I want to, to help you now and give me the chance. Reach out to me in faith. Instead of, you know, in the Old Testament there were several stories there of people who prayed like this. We read there of one of the Lord's servants and he fell down on his face and, 
and he's crying unto the Lord for all the problem that they were in. It was Moses, actually. And the Lord said, stand up on your feet. And uh, it happened to others too. And uh, the Lord said, stand on your feet. Don't lie down there feeling sorry for yourself. And you know, some of us, when we pray, we're like that. And we're praying, oh Lord, help me with this problem. One of these days, Lord, I hope you'll set me free. One of these days I hope that I won't feel so miserable and I won't be so sick and I won't be needing to receive the Holy Spirit or I won't be needing this, that and the other thing. God wants us to be positive. He wants us to believe that he's going to do something and he's going to do something about it now. You see, there has to come a point in your life when you believe that God's promise to you is going to happen then. It's no good at putting it off and saying, well, one of these days I'm going to have the faith and one of these days I'm going to be able to receive it and one of these days I'm going to be happy in the Lord. We need to make up our minds that God has said and that we believe that we're going to be happy and we're going to serve him and we're going to enjoy the blessings of God right here and now because if you have this basic attitude of putting it off till tomorrow, the old saying, tomorrow never comes. But if we have this basic acceptance of the things of God and the rejoicing in the Lord right here at this moment and we continue on with that attitude, when Monday comes, we will be rejoicing in the Lord because we learnt on Sunday to take the day as we found it. That we found that Sunday was the day that the Lord had made. And so we were glad and rejoiced in it. And Monday came along and because we'd learnt our lesson the day before, we were able to carry it through. But if you don't learn your lesson today, when Monday comes, you'll have all of Sunday's miseries plus Monday's as well. And they tell me that Monday's can be fairly great at times. And so uh, let's uh, learn this important principle. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and we're reminded here of the story of uh, some of the children of Israel as they were heading towards the promised land. And God had said to them, you go over the river Jordan. There's a great land there. And I promise it to you. You go in and you possess it. And what actually happened was that they sent 12 spies in and... uh, Ten of them came back with an unbelieving report, but two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and they said it's a wonderful place. It's true what God promised to us. It is a land flowing with milk and honey and there is all the wonderful provision there that God has said that he would would give to us. And they said, let us go up at once and possess the land. But the other ten said, oh no, we can't do that. They've got giants there. And they're so big they made us feel like grasshoppers. And uh, and so they said, we can't do it. And so they didn't go in. They didn't take their opportunity. And that whole generation missed out because they didn't see their opportunity. That was the day that God had said they ought to go in. They didn't take their opportunity and they missed out. Now, we're told that we're to learn from the example of that. We read of it here in Hebrews chapter 3 and starting from verse 6. But Christ is the son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, hearken not your hearts, as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works, works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their hearts, 
and they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. And so he recalls this story that I was just talking about of Joshua and Caleb saying, yes, we can go in, let us go up at once and possess the land. And the others said, no. They didn't take their opportunity. They provoked the Lord to anger because they didn't believe and they didn't act when God expected them to act. And so we're told here, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so not only do we need to see our opportunity when salvation is presented to us, our promised land is not the land of Canaan in the physical sense. Our promised land is a spiritual land. God has called us and he has promised to us eternal life. He has promised us that if we turn from our spiritual Egypt, the old way of life, of the spiritual slavery that we're in in our unconverted state, if we'll turn from that, if we'll turn unto the Lord our God and we will go through the Red Sea experience, if you like, of being baptised in water, so that our old life might be buried behind us as the Egyptians who had been the taskmasters of the Israelites were buried behind them when the Israelites went out by faith. We're not only to go through the waters of baptism but we're to enter right into the promised land and we're to be filled with the Holy Ghost and we need to step out by faith there to claim the promise of God in our life. Not to be like the uh, children of Israel who turned down their opportunity, but we're to go right in. And the Lord tells us uh, in a nutshell what we say is that the Lord says that we need to repent of our old way of life, we need to be baptised in water, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. We need to enter into the rest that God has provided for us, a rest unto ourselves. The Lord has called us to this And we need to see our opportunity, we need to take it. There's an old saying that opportunity only knocks once. And this is very true for many people. Some of us have been fortunate and we've had the opportunity to hear the gospel and uh, we've had it uh, more than once before we responded. But there are others of us that are here that it is probably a very good thing, most fortunate for us, that when we had the gospel, and we, uh, we understood what we were being called to, we said, right, there's my opportunity, I'll take it now. And if I'm sure that there are many of us who, who took that stand, if we hadn't taken it, we would have missed out because uh, for many of us there would only be one opportunity and there could well be. There are people sitting in this meeting today who are getting the only opportunity that they will ever get to uh, receive their eternal life. It's an important day for you today. It's the most important day of your life. If you're sitting here listening to the gospel for the first time, maybe it's the first time that you've been told that you ought to repent of your sins, that you ought to be baptised in water and that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and you'll speak in other tongues. And God's advice to you, not mine, but the word of God says to you today, if you will hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Don't become stiff-necked and rebellious. Don't uh, uh, get your back up and say, who do they think they are telling me what to do with my life? 
It's not me telling you what to do. It is God telling you what to do. And so don't harden your hearts. Don't stiffen your neck. Don't become all rebellious and all self-righteous and say I'm all right the way that I am. Soften your heart to the Lord. If you were at the play last night and you heard them sing that uh, song, soften your heart. Forget all the words, but I got the message. We need to have our hearts soft towards the Lord. We need to respond to what he says and to do something about it. Now, not only does it apply to those of us who are perhaps here and hearing these things for the first time, or maybe you're a fortunate one who is hearing it for a second or third time and you haven't done anything about it. Don't press your luck too far if it's luck we're talking about. God has maybe brought you here to hear this message today because he is putting you on the spot and God is challenging you today and saying, what are you going to do about me? What are you going to do about my word? And if you're going to do something, do it now. Come forward, be baptised and I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit because that's God's promise to you. But not only does he apply it to people in the salvation aspect of turning to him in the first place, but also we're told to exhort one another daily lest any of us, brothers and sisters, any of us, you, me, the other oversight out here on the platform, all of us could make that mistake of hardening our hearts towards the word of God. So let us today look at ourselves and examine ourselves in the light of God's word. Am I as an individual and you as an individual, are we sincerely looking to the Lord and are we saying before God, yes, Lord, I want to respond to your word today. I don't want to harden my heart. And if you're calling me to make a stand about some particular verse, about some particular problem in my life, I'm not going to put it off any longer. I'm not going to procrastinate anymore. I'm not going to say one of these days I'm going to give up my cigarettes with the Lord's help. One of these days I'm going to stop swearing. One of these days I'm going to stop being deceitful in my business dealings. One of these days I'm going to do all sorts of things with the Lord's help. God wants to see how sincere we are. Do we really mean it? And if we really mean it, we're going to do something about it now. We're going to get rid of our cigarettes for all time. We're going to resolve with the Lord's help that we're not going to be unfavourable in the things that we say anymore. We're going to make a stand about whatever issue it is that the Lord is making us feel a little bit uncomfortable about here at this particular time. And so the Lord says, exhort one another. And, uh, well, that's what I'm trying to do. The Lord is speaking to me and he is telling me to exalt because it's my uh, responsibility at this precise moment to be exalting. Maybe another day I'll be sitting down and someone else will be exalting me. And I hope that we all continue to faithfully do our little bit, whether it is on the exhortation or on the receiving end of the exhortation, that we will all do our bit and have our hearts open and subject to the word of God. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. And it's important that if we have something to say, if there is some godly advice that we need to be given, if you're doing something wrong, and I know about it. I'll try and tell you today. If I have the opportunity there, if you run and hide under the seat or something and I can't find you, well, it might have to wait till tomorrow, but I hope it can wait 
if you're hiding under the seat, you probably got the message. But uh, anyway, if anyone's hiding under the seat next to you, would you mind bringing them out so we can speak kindly to them? And so uh, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. An important principle. Some of us have been with the Lord for many years. Some of us, when we turned to the Lord, we came enthusiastically, wholeheartedly, and we embraced the word of God. And when we saw that the Lord called us to repent and be immersed in baptism and to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we grabbed hold of this opportunity the Lord gave to us. It was important that we did. Have we still got that attitude towards the word of the Lord? Are we still responding in that same enthusiastic way? Are we still holding on to that same confidence? Because this is a fresh day now. What we did 20 years ago doesn't necessarily mean that we're still right with the Lord today. And so let us hold that confidence steadfast unto the end. You know, there are many scriptures in the Bible back in the book of Ezekiel that talks there of people, of a man, for instance, who has been walking in the righteous way before the Lord and then he turns from his righteous way and he's going to miss out. All the righteousness that he did is not going to be accounted to him because he had turned. And yet on the other hand, a person who'd lived an unrighteous life and then he turns from his unrighteousness and follows the way of the Lord. The Lord is not going to take account of all the things that he did wrong in the past. And so it doesn't matter to the Lord. The day when Jesus Christ returns, it's going to matter in that day where you stand with the Lord at that moment. And so that's the important thing. It doesn't matter as far as God is concerned what you have been in the past. If you come forward to be baptised in water and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today, it doesn't matter if you've been a bank robber or even a murderer it doesn't matter if you've committed the most atrocious crimes that humanity has ever seen. If you are genuine in your repentance towards the Lord and you get baptised and God fills you with the Holy Spirit, from that moment on you are washed clean by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost. The fire has burned up the chaff in your life. But if on the other hand you've never committed an atrocious crime, you haven't been one to rob banks and, uh, and trip old ladies over in the mud and that sort of thing. Some people do these things. might sound funny to us, but there are some people who think that's clever. Well, uh, if, uh, if you have never done those sort of things and you're sitting there and saying, yes, that's good, you tell those sinful young fellows that they mustn't trip old ladies over like me in the mud and, uh, and so forth. Well, uh, if you're sitting back there and saying, well, I don't need to be baptised, I don't need to receive the Holy Spirit, God is more impressed with the repentant sinner than he is with the unrepentant, self-righteous person. So uh, let's make our stand and let's continue day by day with the Lord until he comes. Wherefore, where did we get to? Verse 15, while it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, or when they provoked the Lord back there in the uh, wilderness. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, 
Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. In other words, not everyone who had their opportunity, not everyone who turned from slavery, not everyone that went through the Red Sea miraculously as the Lord rolled back the waters, not every one of those entered into the promised land. And the Lord's saying to us a solemn warning, not every one of us who has repented of our old way, not every one of us who has been baptised in water, not even every one of us who has received the gift of the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues is going to be there in the day when the Lord comes. And why is that? It is because some of us, and unfortunately it could even be some of us that are here today, that some of us will stop and lose this important principle and we will start thinking that what we did last year or 10 years ago or 50 years ago is what the Lord is looking to and the Lord's looking at the state of our heart right here and now.